We're human beings with the blood of a million savage years on our hands. We can stop it. We can admit that we're killers, but we're not going to kill today. That's all it takes, knowing that we're not going to kill today. Welcome back to the For All Mankind review podcast here on the Incomparables TV podcast. I'm Jason Snell. I'm joined, as always, by Dan Moore. And Dan, no, don't point that gun at me. No! Uh, Jason. Please put gun down. <laughs> this is uh, Season 2, Episode 9, Triage. As we barrel toward the end of Season mm. 2 of For All Mankind. Mm. And... Oh boy, a lot, a lot let's, happened. Let's let us sum up, Jason. But wait, there is too much. There's too much. Um, a lot going on. A lot of bad stuff. A lot of a lot of bad stuff is happening. It's just bad stuff. Bad space, but not as we know it. Oh, well, if you can think back past the shocking cliffhanger to the beginning of this episode, <laughs> it starts bad and it just keeps getting worse. Uh, mm. We when we. Uh, they reveal to uh, Earth that, um, yes, indeed, uh, I think Webster says, you know, I just shot him. He didn't have any weapons, it turns out. So we kind of we kind of messed that up. And Our bad. Yeah, yeah. And Gordo and Tracy, like, she's shaking. It's very much like this combat thing for her that she hasn't really done before. And, um, you know, he, he, he says, just give it time. She's like, how, how, does, uh, how do we make this stop? Meanwhile... Uh, tensions uh, between the U.S. and the Soviets are ratcheting up. The uh, Soviets have declared that the next Sea Dragon launch will have nuclear weapons on board, so we will not allow it to reach the destination. Now, everybody at NASA says there are no nuclear weapons on board. Um, that would be stupid, but it's a pretense. Uh, regardless, Baran has launched, having fixed their O-ring problem. Oh, gee, thanks, Margot. CIA says that it's armed and it's going to the moon, so they're planning a lunar blockade, and they're not going to allow the Sea Dragon resupply mission to land at Jamestown Base. Go around them, right? Just go around? It's I mean, big space moon. big. Big moon, big space. Just so here's my question. Do you, do you honestly think there's no nuclear weapon? In this case, I mean, the general plays a little coy about it, I feel like. Um, you know, it's weird, because this, this more of this episode has that dichotomy of the military versus civilian yeah right where there's like well the military is doing all its parallel stuff and it's not reading the civilians in on any of it so right. not out of the question that they're like no there's no nuclear weapons but it's it's unclear to me i i, I guess i read it as he didn't confirm or deny <laughs> i mean i i read it that he was um he was giving it the specific answer that was required mm. and nothing else right so it's the um it's the well no there are no nuclear weapons specifically on board <laughs> like there may be all sorts of other terrible things that we're sneaking on that the russians yeah. would be mad about but what they're accusing us of is not the particular thing we're doing and i i think i believe that only just in the sense that uh, for pete's sake they just you know the best they've got so far is like uh, four people with with rifles right yeah <laughs> That's a, it's a heck of an escalation. Yeah. So um that is my is my read but who knows because I'm not sure I I believe anything that the Department of Defense says especially since they they are taking over Pathfinder Molly breaks this to Ed and you're launching the day after tomorrow which is Yeah. 
That's quite a thing. Uh, and the, the idea is they're going to be riding shotgun with Sea Dragon, and they're also going to give them guns in case they need to defend themselves in hostile territory, which is weird. Are they going to land the shuttle? What's no, they, they crank down the window and shoot mm, out there? That's right. Just as they're shoot, as shoot the tires out on the Buran, you know, like see how that goes. And obviously, we've been saying Sally Ride is not here for any of this militarization of space. And she, it looks like this is going to be the moment where she says, "I can't do this," but. Instead, what she says is, I'm not going to let you face the Soviets with a subpar Nerva technician. Now, Nerva is the nuclear engine on Pathfinder. And um, just as a footnote, Nerva is a, well, I was going to say a real thing. Nerva was a real proposed thing um, as a nuclear engine it it didn't happen in our world obviously but it was a they're you know they're using the real name here this is what sally ride is doing this is what the pathfinder is it's a nuclear propulsion drive for space so that's what's going on here but she says she's gonna she's gonna stick with it and they're gonna have to do this thing where they're basically their sea dragon's gonna launch then they're gonna launch then they're going to go with Sea Dragon and basically make sure that it gets to its destination and defends it if the Baron uh, decides to attack it. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not probably what they signed up for is the <laughs> the point. Uh, things are getting a little dicey. Yeah. The uh, the issuing of sidearms is a little perplexing, but. I guess they, it's like you're a military mission, so you need guns. I, That's just how we're working now. But like, it's a space shuttle. It, what are we learning about shooting things in space? The space shuttle's not going to land on the moon unless they've they've built like a landing strip, which I don't believe they have. Right. Then, or, they're, or they're boarded somehow, which I also guess? seems plausible, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah. So that that's a that's a little bit of a uh, a, a strange one. Um, clearly, the Russians want their people back and this is the first sign that the real issue here is going to be um that they you know they've brought they brought the one guy who's alive and the one guy who's uh, dead back to jamestown base the russians want their people back now we, we later in the episode we discover uh just how much they uh want them back and also just how much the guy who survives doesn't want to go back but <laughs> so that uh those are going to be some serious complications but we don't we don't really know that yet here um as this episode goes along and i'm just going to kind of go through the scenes because there's so much here that i don't even think i can wrap it up i think i just have, have to, to walk through it um molly uh gets picked up by wayne uh, she says she's going to have eye surgery. He is the voice of science and reason. He is the person who tells you that these are, uh, she's chasing uh, sort of like a dream, but these are quacks. They're, he, he brings up a lot of really great terminology, like they're, they've no critical clinical trials for this stuff. It's been rejected by the medical establishment. It's too risky. Um, God, I love Wayne. I love Wayne so much. Right? I mean, he is a uh, rational... I- <laughs> human being who's making the weird arguments making all the right all the right arguments i mean it's not even and it's not even that they want to do surgery they want to like inject stuff into her eyes like like Uh, oxidants or something strange and yeah it does sound like like bs right but this is a thing that you know it's 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 like uh like laotrol or something like that where it's like mm, nobody they say it doesn't work but people are going to mexico to get it anyway which was definitely a thing in the 80s i want to say just like this is Uh, but she's like i gotta fly and if I don't, I thought this was really good um, bit of dialogue. She says, I got to fly. And if I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
it's just she's just laying it out there like literally she cannot comprehend life like she's yeah. willing to do anything because she cannot comprehend not being able to fly and not being able to see it's that simple yeah. for her and so she's not acting rationally um she's no. not listening to no. reason here Right. And again, it's an interesting contrast to, well, contrast, maybe not quite the right word here, but like it's a parallel to her decision at the end of episode one to actually go out and save Wubbo. Old Wubbo. Good old Wubbo. Oh, remember Wubbo? How I hate him. (laughs) Haven't yet had that scene where they say, oh, by the way, Wubbo died. He's just, he's out there somewhere. He's out there somewhere living his best life. Maybe he's Um, blind. We don't know. Who knows? Don't know what happened to Wubbo. Um, It's left to the, it's left to the (laughs) fan fiction. Fan fiction can tell us. Ooh, FAM fan fiction. Yep. Um, But it's the same thing, right? Where she is acting kind of on instinct. Like she's thinking about it and she's like, I got to take this outside chance. Just in case, right? Which was kind of the same thing with Wubbo. Like, oh, I got to go save this guy just in case, you know, he's not already dead. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's grasping at straws for sure, right? I mean, I think even even Molly kind of knows this yeah. is not a great but plan, she but has it's no the option. only option. Yeah, yeah she feels she her. has no other options yeah. at this point. Right. And I sit there going like, man, even if they did like inject stuff in your eyes and was fine, I feel like I'd be worried that like the first time I flew to, you know, yeah, my, eye would many, explode. Geez, my eyes would explode or yeah, something. Yeah, that'd be bad. Sounds bad. Seems bad. Yeah, yeah, but she she's out of options, so she's going to try things that don't make any sense and just in the hope that they'll work. Um Okay, let's let's change to a different scene, which is um, I'm going to call this. So you thought Karen had f- completed her sequence of terrible personal decisions? <laughs> you were wrong. She's got She's another on bad decision train. Spectacularly bad decision, which is that Ed has to get to the Cape because in 48 hours he's gonna. He's going to blast off on Pathfinder. Kelly's scared. This is Navy life. Uh, and then they're in the driveway and and he's like, what's wrong? You seem weird because she is weird because she slept with their friend's son. Uh, if you don't remember the, <laughs> what pre- happened how, in the previous how episode. Could you, how could you forget? And she she does a very minimal job of like of like being a bad liar and being like, no, it's fine. We'll talk about it when you get back. And he's like, come on, Karen. And I mean... Haven't we all? I was going to say, haven't we all been in this situation? The answer is no, no. But I think it it seemed familiar to me in the sense that you have this thing where you could bring something up and it's the wrong time, and if yeah. you let it go too long, the other person is going to say, "You gotta, you gotta let me know. I'm not willing to know that there's a thing, and then not willingly not know the thing." And you cr- right. cross that line, and then you're kind of hosed. And she is yeah. sort of here, but again. Come on, Karen, just don't tell him. Just lie. Just lie. But instead, hey, husband who is going to his first space mission in a while on an experimental spacecraft that's armed with tensions with the Russians terrible, and he's going all the way to the moon. As he's getting in his car, why don't you mention you slept with somebody else? (laughs) Yeah, like I said, though, there's no... Once she does, once she lets like the cat out of the bag that there's something they need to talk about, like, she's done. That ship has sailed... There is no longer a way for her to get out of that without basically I sold the either. Bar. I think she could have uh, yeah. literally said, "I yeah, sold that's the bar." Fine. Oh, that would have been better. That would have been. This is why I don't get into these situations, Jason. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. He's kind. It's she's kind of damned if she does, damned if she doesn't at that point. And oh. the the only answer was to not make that decision in the first place. And that that has not happened. No. Um, and plus, we get Kelly kind of looking out the window, realizing something is up. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and you know that's tensions are now riding very high oh, and boy. i don't think this is going to be good for ed to be out there <sighs> necessarily you would think not right like what a thing to drop on somebody god yeah you're, what else are you going to be thinking about yeah. your mission probably not so um also she doesn't so this is an interesting argument too right because her old point to like she asks or he asks her if she wants out basically right like of their marriage and her answer is i'm not sure which is also you know fine understandably lots going on very confusing but that is uh it's tough and you know she kind of takes him to task for being all black and white about it i i feel like i do have some sympathy for karen but i don't have a lot of sympathy for karen here because you know it is a bit of blowing up her own life uh that is and she's creating a lot of splash damage yeah i was gonna say she can't even like it is it is her right to get out of her marriage if she wants to it is her right to implode her marriage um but wow to tell this person who is about to do this incredibly high stress thing to basically make it about you in the moment that they're that they're out the door it seems like a miscalculation but again she's not making good decisions here and and i've made the argument last week um my armchair analysis of karen here is that she is desperately unhappy and uh because she is not in control of her life because she has no control over what happens and her her daughter's going to go off and her husband's going to go off to space and she is sort of just sitting in a bar in houston that she bought uh and is uh trapped and can't you know isn't able to affect her life and so she makes a series of rash and i would say poor but certainly rash decisions i don't know selling the bar for a lot of money seems like a great investment to me like get get unload sure, that thing to a guy who's got more mo- money than sense and you, take the you money and run you could have could have stopped there so that might have been a good <laughs> that might have been a good uh, decision but we, we could debate it but she's making decisions because she wants to shake up her life because she wants to have an impact and and i i really do believe it it is unfortunate here that this seems and again i mean maybe maybe it's just that it, i didn't like the way they played it because i could see it being that ed is so perceptive that she can't hide from him but i don't know the way i read the scene and maybe i'm not giving her the benefit of the doubt the way i read the scene was that she didn't try hard enough and she could have clamped down and done the you know no it's fine it's fine nothing's going on come on karen she's like no it's fine some work stuff not worried about it don't worry about it we'll talk when you get back uh, and she doesn't, right? She doesn't. It strikes me that she doesn't make as as much of an effort, right? And she, that he she, is. She wants. Yeah. She kind of wants to tell him. I think is what it comes uh, down yeah. to. Yeah, which is just. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. It seems like the wrong time and place, but she's not making great decisions. She's just making decisions. Yeah. I think that's, if I had to boil down my Karen argument to anything, it would be that, which is Karen is at a point in her life where she's decided to make decisions that have impacts. Yeah. She doesn't, not really evaluating necessarily, just making them. <laughs> yep. Fair yep. enough. Fair enough. That's and, easy. <laughs> and so after uh, we get the word that the Soviets are going to come to get their people in a few hours on the moon base, and we see some media stuff about how John Lennon's doing a concert, and there's more unrest and escalation of tensions in Panama, which is turning into another uh, sort of uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis kind of on its own, uh, presumably. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before, but basically, under the Carter administration, they agreed to hand back Panama Canal to Panama, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. presumably since Reagan was elected in this timeline in 1976, that didn't happen the u.s clearly still has control of the canal and then there's been an uprising in panama so there's this tension there um and the soviets have sent 
ships to the Atlantic fleet to, to Panama. So that's going on in the background. Um, the next scene we get is basically in Florida, uh, either that night or the next night, but it's before the launch. So it's probably the, that night in Florida. And Ed is at a bar and he is going to get revenge sex on Karen. He picks up a woman at a bar. He doesn't even try very hard. Uh, that was, yes, that, yes, that was my judgment is, oh man, astronauts right they like they 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 don't even have to make an effort and they just find a woman sitting at a bar and then they're having sex with that woman or in this case almost having sex with him and then realizing that he can't go through with it because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing and he is uh deeply conflicted yeah i i think you know not to say we've said ed makes bad decisions too and we talked about that earlier this season a bit and you know uh, i certainly I cannot blame him for just lashing out right in this way and trying to feel like, well, she hurt me. I'm going to hurt her. I mean, that's that a, a human. It's a very human decision to make. Um, and it's I like think, his, the other part of his brain, like finally kind of clamps down. And so goes, Ed, what are you doing? You're just right. doing and this I, and I, to be a jerk and have revenge sex. And this isn't going to make you happy. And is, it gonna, is yeah. Karen even going to yeah. care? And what am I doing here? And I think there's I, I think that's really interesting. And the woman is like, you got to work some stuff out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I know. I don't pick up. Don't pick up women if you're just gonna, just going to lie there. Um, I I think it's good. Like you know, it makes me feel like at least a little. You know, have some respect for Ed in the way that he is making those decisions. In that, at least like he is he is sort of stepped back from the temptation aspect and sort of like well. You know, if I do this, if I embark upon this as sort of a retaliatory action, there's basically no end, right? At this point. It, then it would sort of devolve potentially into sort of a whole bunch of tit for tat things that are going to destroy the marriage. If there's any way that I have a chance of saving this, it's by not escalating things. And, you know, in some ways, perhaps an argument that there's like a parallel here to the Russian American situation here, right? Which is like, it's mutually extreme destruction, right? We yep. both go out and start sleeping with other people. Some, uh, somebody's got to back done. away. Somebody's got to, got to back away yep. from the destruction. Take your finger off the trigger. So, he, you know, gets well, about he, halfway there. And he's not attracted to that. I mean, not. He, he's not attracted. Maybe he finds her attractive, but he's not attracted to that woman. He doesn't actually want to have sex with her. It's all just revenge. And e- even that yeah. is not fulfilling. And he, he walks away. Hey, everybody. Our pal John at Giant Squid Productions made a Jamestown Lunar Base t-shirt. It's for sale now. Check it out. He's a fan of the show. Maybe you want to wear one. Tinyurl.com slash Jamestown Base. Or look for the link in the show notes. The Soviets are here. <laughs> Would you like some coffee? Uh, they only let the doctor go look <laughs> at the cosmonaut who is there. The other one has to wait. They offer coffee. Um, the uh, There is a... You know, we cut away to see that the Sea Dragon launches, the Pathfinder launches. Um, It is a great reveal. I guess we should talk about it. It is such a great reveal. So they show Pathfinder getting ready to launch and they're all the camera Mm. is turned. So like they're on their backs on a shuttle launch. And then only when they're ready to launch is it does the camera turn and it's revealed that it's a it's a 747 launch. So for people Mm. who don't know a lot about the space shuttle you will say they they tested the space shuttle for some flight tests um off of a 747 and then they transferred the space shuttle when it would land in california back to florida or one time in new mexico back to florida on the back of a 747 there were these giant converted 747s that were reinforced so that they could carry the space shuttle on top what uh there are also some modern 
companies that are trying to do space launches, where the idea is you take uh, a rocket high up enough in the sky that you've gone past sort of the thickest parts of the atmosphere and it's a lot easier to get to space from up there. So if you can make it so that it's cheaper to fly a rocket up to that point and then launch it than it is to bundle in all of the fuel and weight to launch it from the ground, then you might you might be able to uh, save money by launching it from uh, up in the sky. And those concepts are all combined here into the Pathfinder launch since it's its nuclear powered engine its nerve engine is apparently so powerful that it doesn't need one the external tank that's at the center of the space shuttle stack which is a fuel tank for the space shuttle doesn't need that because it's got its nuclear engines and presumably doesn't really need by getting it up to height doesn't really need the solid rocket boosters that are on the side it can instead launch from kind of anywhere uh via being on the back of this 747 so it's just a nice fake out that's also a nod to like it's like five different references to to yeah, uh, real I remember space seeing when i was a kid i remember all the images of the the shuttle on the back of the 747 yep. which always seemed very cool um but so it's yeah, a it fake out it's a fun <laughs> right. fake out and and ed talks about like being really excited that they can fly into space as opposed to launching into space mm-hmm. right just like which is cool it feels like much closer to like Again, science fictional, right? Where right. it's like, yeah, just take your ship up and fly right into space, right? That's this how is, it works. This is their reusable space plane even more so because they can just made it back on a 747 and then they're ready to go again. And the next stop is that you're so powerful that you can just lift right off and go to space. But they're not quite there yet. But the, you can right. see I think the path they're on. It's, it's uh, important also, I think, at this point to talk about, I, th- I don't remember if it's addressed right at this point, but like there is a distinction. The Pathfinder launch and the Sea Dragon launch are happening at the same time because they're meeting up, but they're being handled by, because the Pathfinder launch is now DOD. DOD. It's so, being handled separately yes. from the Sea Dragon launch. So there's the, the having been to the real mission control, I can tell you that there's this room on the side that was basically like the sim room that they would use to run simulations and stuff like that. Um, it's this auxiliary room with a big window that looks out on mission control. And in For All Mankind, that is being used, that geography is being used as that's like the secret DOD room. And so you end up having these moments where they're like, you know, okay, this is okay. Then, all right, this, they're like passing things over the brick wall, but that there are things that DOD right, is allowed that, to know that, that Margot is not allowed to know, essentially. There's a, funny, a very funny bit where the Pathfinder takes off and Ellen is like really excited and and tries to give Margot a thumbs up through the window. And Margot's like, I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay. Uh, great. I guess Pathfinder <laughs> launched. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So meanwhile, back on the moon, um, the cosmonaut that they got is unconscious at this point. And then there is what I thought was a very affecting scene where they, they have the body bag that the burned up remains of the other cosmonaut uh, are in. And they, act, you know, and, and it's what I like about that scene is that everybody everybody knows how serious this is and the astronauts obviously feel terrible and their intent was not they explain like you know it's an oxygen atmosphere and there was a spark and it obviously uh you know and that's what happened um and then the soviets are are clearly furious and they they say nobody touch him you know you don't touch him uh and i thought that that was really well played that that's what that would look like in that situation yeah, i mean the americans is, are, are kind of mollified they're you know the americans are are embarrassed but they're also taking it as seriously a, as possible they're not this is very serious and somebody died but it doesn't doesn't matter the the cosmonauts are furious and they should be yeah no it's it's a nice scene of um 
it, yeah, it's awkward, right? It's weird and awkward, and like there were clearly mistakes were made, but these people are all uh, astronauts slash cosmonauts, and you know they logically understand the risk of what's happening here, but you know they also you know the Americans shot somebody, right? That's not great. It's not a good situation to be in. Um, so it's very um, it's a lot of weight on this one. Yeah. I would like to point out I enjoyed the doctor who uh, shows up here and I think showed up back in the first uh, second episode when Molly uh, is coming off of her radiation stuff. I was like staring at this actress being like, oh, I definitely recognize them from something and looked up and discovered that they were in one of my favorite shows of all time, Sports Night. They are one of the people in the control room ah. for a sports night. I was like, oh, I literally, and I look back through her filmography, I'm like, literally I've never seen her in anything else, but I've seen that show so many times that I was like, why do I know who that is? that face, your face yeah. matching. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the little bit uh, yeah, the little little people who appear in those smaller roles. Yeah, um, Molly is taking ten grand and headed for Guadalajara. <laughs> and Wayne, Wayne is not happy. Yeah, Wayne calls her a coward, and basically says, "If you do this, I'm out of here. Like this is the end. I am not gonna. I'm not gonna support you in doing this. I'll support you in anything." but not this this is this is crazy you can't do this and uh in a little bit we'll get the the uh the capper of this which is we see molly and she's at the planes and she goes back inside and she goes home and there's there's a really nice shot there where she's in the doorway right and she's yes, literally on the, the threshold the hanger of the doorway. hanger it's like do i leave or do i go yes literally at that point yeah. it's nice it's nice and it's got this like little path of light and you might because think of like the shadow well why is she why is she out at the at the base but my understanding is nasa astronauts basically can sign out one of those at nasa jets right whenever and right she, and she lies to him too she tells him she's going to the cape yeah but that's to, it's, to go do something yeah for and he, NASA. Kn- but he knows that he that's knows not, yeah that's not the case and i i have to say i like this entire arc in this episode it's i thought so good. it was great yeah i and really so, loved it especially this last scene this last yeah. scene of all the scenes maybe in this entire series that scene got me so so she comes back and it's obvious that wayne is packing up his stuff that he's not going to intend to be there when she returns from this that this is it this is broken their relationship it's over and but he's still there and oh she my God. i think my heart stopped in that scene Jason. the scene where she comes back and it's gone like it looks like he has cleaned he's gone. and left already and you're like oh no she's too oh my god she made this terrible decision and yeah, now she's she regrets lost. it but it's too late oh, god. but it's not yes. too late it's not too late <laughs> he's there and she's sorry and she says she's this is this is how molly has had to process this thing that happened to her and she finally does it and says i hope you got a thing for old blind ladies yeah the cane and the dark glasses yeah yep so that's god she she comes around and realizes that this is foolish and that her relationship with him is more important and that this is not going to happen anyway and that she needs to just stop i think it's also an an important moment for her to sort of grow into the role she now has at nasa too right like being the director of the astronaut office um you know maybe she's, she's actually kind of, good at it even though she didn't right, take it seriously exactly. right she's very good at it and she sort of got suckered into it by ed trying to argue she could you know use it to write her own ticket um but i think she is really really good at it and getting that level of comfort with it and growing into that role and realizing like maybe this is maybe this is enough like maybe this is something i can do and still be involved even if i can't fly anymore and i love that i love that moment yeah um okay uh on the moon our our guy our cosmonaut wakes up 
And you and I, I think, both had the same reaction to this, which is he wakes up and he's looking around and all that. And about a half a second before he says it, we're yeah. both like, oh, no. And he says, I wish to defect. <laughs> wish to defect. <laughs> Amerikansky? Yes. Uh, he looks around. He's like, the Russians, they're not here? They're not uh, here? This isn't? Get me not, out of here. We're not, yeah, get me out of here. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot because it was that moment, as we discussed uh, in one of our chats, like where it's like, how can we make this more awkward? Yeah. Oh, yep. He wants to stay. Yeah, we can't actually give him back now because he is he requesting is requesting asylum. Yeah. 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 Um, Whoops. That's going to make things even worse. Um, okay. Uh, let's t- check in on Danny. Have she? Oh, go ahead. I was ahead. just going to ask if you've tried the food in the Soviet Union. That's my favorite line. Oh, yeah. So when they're like, like they can't, had... they're not sure if he's really defecting or not. And then he's like, have you tried the food? Have you, have Soviet you had Union? the takeout borscht from that one restaurant yeah. in Houston? Mm, it's not that's that good. Um, okay. So Danny is getting ready for Apollo Soyuz because that's also happening. She, in a, uh, I think, a very meaningful uh, act, she leaves her, she's kept her wedding ring on. She has to leave it behind for launch. You know, her husband died. Um, she takes her wedding ring off. Uh, there's two wedding rings off in this episode. Mm. Mm. Um, but they're going to launch on Apollo. So we get the old Apollo capsule and all of that, which is great. Um, Aleda and her, her manager are back on the job. We see them briefly in Mission Control. And um, it... it Dan then Danny reveals a, uh, a a thing that I loved, which is that she's a fan. She's a fan of the original Star Trek and quotes one of the great speeches that Captain Kirk gives in the original Star Trek, which is it's instinctive. But the instinct can be fought. We're human beings with the blood of a million savage years on our hands, but we can stop it. We can admit that we're killers, but we're not going to kill today. That's all it takes knowing that we won't kill today from one of all my all-time favorite episodes a taste of armageddon uh fitting for the fact that they are right up against it here in the cold war um but i love she, that she, she quotes she, she's got chapter and verse too right she knows the episode she knows the air date and yep. you know her, her pilot or whatever is like oh, no boy, she's a right. trekkie <laughs> and and then the best part is then she turns to her co-pilot and says mr sulu set course for earth yeah. orbit <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, Ron Moore is the world's biggest original Star Trek fan, so I'm not surprised that this is in yeah, this show. Our second Star Trek reference, because we had the Wrath of Khan bit yes. earlier. Um, yeah, that's pretty great. Well, it's I very clear. I mean, I can extrapolate. It's like Danny grew up um, being interested in space because she saw Uhura on Star Trek. Like, yeah, that's, right. It's exactly. easy to... Yeah. That's that absolutely happened and she saw somebody like her who was in space and that that there are real astronauts who that's what they said right me jameson i think the the first uh black woman in space uh said it was absolutely inspired by uhura so uh it's a great little moment and i think a real fitting bit of of uh of dialogue for this moment because it's the idea that we are capable of violence and there's all sorts of problems with humanity but what we need to do uh it's like um it's like focus on the day at hand uh don't focus on the next day it's very much that it's like what we have to do is not kill each other today we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow we're not going to kill today Mm -hmm. um okay so let's check in with ellen and larry how about that 
I think they're probably doing fine, um, right? Well, this is this is a moment that I didn't see coming, which is the acceleration of Ellen's uh, plot line even more. Larry is visiting with a friend, and as he's talking to him, I keep thinking, oh no. And then it goes on, and I think, oh no, oh no. And then it keeps going, and, and it is indeed uh, notorious Republican campaign strategist Lee Atwater, who is Larry's friend. And Lee Atwater thinks Ellen should run for Congress. Lee Atwater, who famously masterminded the Willie Horton ad for George Bush and all sorts of other kind of dirty, coded racist campaign messages. Uh, and he, But he was really good at his job. He got a lot of Republicans elected. And he thinks Ellen should run for Congress. And I thought, oh boy, because I think that when you say Lee Atwater thinks you should run for Congress, it means you're going to be elected. Like, you're the Republican Party wants you to be... And, and he's like, the sky's the limit. Uh, you're the perfect uh, candidate, right? Like... Um, Except for one thing, by the way. <laughs> Except for the one thing. Uh, is he actually Larry's friend? I thought he was there to, like, basically... Well... Recruiter, yeah, essentially. I, I just... I, it, it's sort of like he's t- he's palling around with Larry, so I kind of get the sense that they either have met or, or that Larry might have been the... Larry's the entry into the household, right? That's kind of what I was thinking. Because like, they talk, he tells, because Pam comes in. And then Pam and comes he sort in. of... Yeah, introduces her as a friend, staying with them. Yes, uh, yes. And uh, he, you know, he's sort of like, oh, he's a special advisor to the president, mm-hmm. you know, etc. And so you kind of got the feeling that maybe the president, you know, being impressed with Ellen, either that was known through his ranks or he specifically told Atwater to go and try to recruit sure. her. Oh, sure. But uh, but yeah. I think it's so funny because, like, Larry's there and Larry's the one who's talking to the, him. And I, right. I, he's the proxy. He's I, the yeah, sort of proxy. Yeah, I don't know. I read it, too, that Larry maybe have has had uh, previous conversations with people in this, in the political side of the of the party. But regardless of whether he's a new friend or an old friend it's it's lee atwater saying you're gonna run and uh pam hears all this and basically the it's the conversation of like she could be the president like she right. she could be this is the this is the era where we had the first woman uh on a major party ticket as a vice president geraldine uh, ferraro geraldine ferraro yeah and uh and this is the moment that prompts pam to basically push the eject button and say and decide that that although ellen has said she will throw away her career because she loves pam pam is not willing to be the person for whom ellen throws away her career i guess is the Mm. way i would phrase it and so she writes literally a dear ellen letter which says i still love elise and i'm going back to austin i'm going back to elise goodbye which is a lie. I think it we is an absolute dirty lie. And Ellen sees the letter and doesn't understand. And I think this is an interesting point that mm-hmm. that uh, we have to make, which is Larry knows what really happened. Yep. And Larry doesn't say because it's in Larry's best interest. He's Ellen's buddy and confidant, and they've been together for a decade and all of that. But like. She was willing to blow up their marriage to end her career to be with Pam. And now that Pam has gotten exited, right, and that there's this incredible possibility for Ellen to advance in politics, Larry is going to 
lie or lie through omission in order to basically confirm Pam's, Pam's Dear Ellen letter because it's better for Larry. See, I have a yeah, I have a different reading on that. I didn't think it was quite as self-interested as that. I thought you know there is certainly a degree of decision making for her at that point, but I also think that he realizes like I'm not sure that he's got a better option here. Like if telling her and sending her, you know, back off running after Pam, I'm not sure Pam would take her back in that point like you know they've already been down that road oh and i'm not sure there's anything to be i think that's arguable i think i think i think probably not i think probably pam has decided she doesn't want to be the person who stands in the way of this amazing person having this amazing success but i think that larry uh specifically doesn't tell her because he doesn't want her to try that's fair i i guess i i was a little more charitable to him there i felt like he was maybe trying to spare her pain from this Mm -hmm. because also i didn't think she would be willing to give up her role certainly not right now right like given everything she has invested in her career and the fact that she feels like she needs to be where she is right now i am not sure she would have chosen to walk away at this very moment it might be that she would sabotage her future ambitions that she would decide i don't want to go further than this but i don't think she would give up the responsibility and duty she feels to being the NASA administrator in this moment. I don't know if that's true or not. It's possible that it is, but I will just come back to the fact that Larry is not interested in imparting any more information here. (laughs) That's true. That's fair. (laughs) Right. Like he's, and he, and it is in his self-interest to do what he does. Um, And so, so anyway, I'm watching you, Larry. That's what I'm saying. I'm watching you at Cordry. I see you. Well, it's tricky too. This is the thing that I struggle with in this scene as well, is that, it is a it would be a huge thing, right? Like obviously if she went on and she became the first like woman president, etc., yeah. all that. But the point of the matter of being like, but it would require her to hide who she is. Yes. And that and is that sacrifice, regardless of whether or not Pam is specifically the person that she is going to be with, you know, it would essentially be living a lie in in a very public sphere. Yes. And would that be, you know, if you had elected the first woman president and only found out 20 or 30 years later that she was actually you know gay as well would that have been a victory would it have been a like a kind of like a pyrrhic victory i don't know it's it's a weird situation to be in because she can make it as they said except for this one thing this one this one little tricky thing uh, and then meanwhile, back on the moon, uh, Tracy's sneaking a smoke in the airlock again. Uh, but Gordo is there, uh, kind of lurking, but he's got, uh, and, and there's the line, you can't seduce me like one of your 19 year old space, whatever, whatever. It's just, it made me laugh. Uh, he's like, oh, but I got booze in my mouthwash bottle. She's <laughs> like, oh <laughs> yeah. boy. I, lo- I love that. He smuggled wine up in the mouthwash bottle, or maybe it's just mouthwash. Yeah. They, these people are made for each other. Um, but you know what, Dan? It doesn't matter because there's a cosmonaut outside the station and he's got a gun and they're shooting out the windows and everything is depressurized and the guy gets sucked out into onto the moon. And there are five cosmonauts with rifles who are entering the station, having killed one person and shot it up because they're going to get their guy who doesn't want to go back and uh, react to what happened to, to the in the killing of the one cosmonaut shock ending the end. Stay tuned 
next week. What a cliffhanger this was. This is the best I was cliffhanger. I w- was waiting for something, and then right? you, know, you see the guy outside, and it's so creepy. It's like a Doctor Who scene, right? The one yeah. astronaut standing outside, super creepy. And Why then he's is got there a, a guy out there? We're on the moon. Uh, there shouldn't be anybody out there. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, do you even look out the windows? Like, there's nobody out there. Uh, what was funny for me, I think I told you, was like my sound died in the right way through the scene. And I thought it was like a deliberate choice, right? Because a lot of times when they shoot stuff on the surface, they don't shoot audio because there's no sound on the moon. Uh, and then I had to run it back and realize, well, the whole thing is depressurizing. Nope, there's audio and all of that. I, yeah. My player just and crapped out. And it's just horrifying. <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, it's a great scene and very terrifying. Like there's like the, they're trying to crawl to the door, and there's one guy, and he's like trying to make his way over. And you see that they're they kind of have already decided they're gonna close the door on this one on that one guy who ends up getting sucked out because like he's not gonna make it. He cannot get to the door in time. No. Uh, that guy is gone, unfortunately. He's, he gets sucked away. Uh, but yeah, wow, that is a tense scene and you've got the commanders in his office which they had hinted at i think earlier pointing out that they could be sealed when the the doctor was uh invested was uh examining the cosmonaut and he's like oh you have taken him out and put him in this room and they're like yes well we can turn into a hyperbaric chamber etc i think the implication is that the commander's little quarters are probably the same can be sort of sealed off so he's still in his little room and watching all of this and being like oh crap (laughs) Yeah, stay stay tuned. My my response at the end of this episode was like, I have no idea how they're going to resolve this in uh, in one episode next week. Like, how? Well, there's a lot of balls in the how? air, right? Literally, we've got people, we've got cosmonauts in Jamestown. We've got Soyuz Apollo launch. We've got Pathfinder escorting Sea Dragon. Are you saying uh, that Pathfinder is a ball that is literally in the air? <laughs> it's literally in well, it's in space. There's no air in okay, space, Jason. I don't mm. know if you know that. I'm not sure you know okay, that. Okay, so where are the balls? Uh, the balls are in space and they're spaceships? The balls are in space. Okay. So I guess they don't have to worry about them falling because they're in space. So maybe it's fine. Maybe well, Technically, fine. a ball in space is, is in free fall, so it's always falling, but it never lands. Oh, well, that's yeah. terrifying. Oh, boy, it's really hard to wrap now. that up. <laughs> um, well, uh, what a great episode, ratcheting up the tension and then leaving us uh, in the lurch for seven days. It's, it's tough because it's like, also, you know, we went from like one one dude getting shot last week to full-fledged incursion. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's not just it's not just that the guy, the one American got sucked out into onto the moon's surface and is dead. It's that there is an armed squad of cosmonauts invading Jamestown base, right? while while there is the threat that they're going to shoot down the sea dragon and there's a potential confrontation there with the fully armed pathfinder and also apollo soyuz is going on where we're going to shake hands and smile or or they're going to like pull guns on each other and start Mm. fighting in the yeah in the capsule dock (laughs) yeah and all day and he can say is no didn't you see a taste of armageddon we're not gonna kill today (laughs) oh oh boy yeah it's um it's tense it's tense there's a lot going on there and i agree it seems like a lot to to wrap up in a single week um I'm guessing next week's episode is going to be longer, huh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> don't think you don't think you can do that. A little in an bit hour. more than an hour. More a bit more than an hour. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So lots of can lots we, of can lots we reveal? Of stuff I, to I can exclusively reveal it is more than an hour. <laughs> it is, what it is? I, I this just in. It's I think it's like an hour mm. fifteen something like that. It's a long episode, episode ten. So yeah. Well, I don't know. One more to go. That's, 
everything oh will God. have to happen in that way. Actually, I mean, that's I think that's the big question is like, what from this season is going to be resolved? Presumably this conflict right. to some point. Like the way the show is structured, it doesn't end on cliffhangers right at the end. The episodes do. Boy, this one did. But like, I, I have to imagine that this standoff with the Soviet Union, the seven days in May kind of thing that's going on with the escalations mm-hmm. in Panama and, and on the moon and in, in orbit around the moon and all of that, like all of that is going to be resolved somehow. But uh, my other question is like all the other character things that are up in the air, like uh, the Baldwin's marriage, yep. like Gordo's attempt to win back Tracy, like, I mean, like what's going on with Alita like what's going on with Margot? With <laughs> like, Kelly, what's going yeah, on with like, Kelly? Uh, all of these things are also, uh, and of course Ellen. Yeah. Uh, how much of that? So here's the thing, and we, we'll talk about it more obviously when the season is over. But um, how much of that is resolved, quote unquote, in episode ten versus stuff where what the trick they pull is sort of like find out what happens to them. Yeah. In the montage that starts yeah. season three. <laughs> well, and there's I don't also, know. I think there's an argument that that's the more interesting and, of course, the more dynamic stuff, because even though the sort of frontline, like Soviet versus US stuff, is feels like the more like gripping and the more like right in your face we we also know this is fundamentally not a show about world war three exactly because once this show is about world war three then it's a different show yeah and um, it's kind of it's kind of over it's no, like they, a post-apocalyptic they, the, show the driving i mean it, the way they've structured it is the driving plot of the season is the conflict between the u.s and the soviets the details are all about the characters because it's a character drama and it's an ensemble right. drama so you you could really argue, I mean, that this is how life works, is that there are incidents that happen, but the people involved in the incidents, unless they die, they keep going, and it affects them. And the show, kind of with a seasonal structure, that's kind of what it's doing, right? Is you spend a season with them in the crucible of something, and then presumably you pick it up a few years later and find out where they are and how the events of the previous season have affected them as people. Right. And, and this season and the, has been like that. So Yeah, how the how the environment has changed too, right? right. Like how is the the escalation or the de-escalation right. happening with the once, Soviets and the Americans? What once is the there's grunge and they're wearing flannel, what are they like? Yeah. What is it what yeah, is well, it and, like and, then? And and in once this situation gets resolved one way or another, how does that change the relationship right. between these two superpowers going forward yeah. in terms of them? Where does it push the space program? Where right. are our characters going? All right. All of that to break down next week, presumably we'll have an ending and we'll have to talk about it because I don't think there's going to be a surprise episode 11, although, you know, you never know, but we've got a huge cliffhanger to, to mull on for the, for the next week. Um, but we'll be back in a week for the finale. Uh, get ready. But until then, This has been the For All Mankind review podcast on TV. I'm Jason Snell, and he's been Dan Warren. Dan, goodbye. Do svidaniya, Jason. Jason.